Welcome back to Out of the Question, brought to you by that extremely cool newsletter, The Kicker, where I write about personal stuff mixed in with some film and TV industry stuff. That's thekicker.substack.com. This week's guest is the comedian Mel Buttle. I've been a long-time fan, and this is our first ever chat. I particularly love her mum character, which she occasionally releases on social media. We talk about the genesis of that here. We also talk about jobs, school, growing up in Queensland, and the Great Australian Bake Off, which Mel co-hosted for five years. She also gives some pretty amazing baking tips here, so stay tuned for that. You can also check out Mel's new Melbourne International Comedy Festival show, Let Me Know Either Way, which is at the Melbourne Town Hall from April 11. Tickets at the festival website. As usual... I started by asking Mel how her colleagues would describe her. Let's put it this way. When I left one of my favourite jobs that I ever had, on my last day, this lady I worked quite closely with took me up to the tea room and she had made a framed sign that said the Mel Buttle Memorial Tea Room because I spent so much time... In there, not doing any work, I would go and just stand in there and have a stare. I would drink nine cups of coffee a day. There were free biscuits. Um, so I think that I think how I would be described is um, inept, inefficient, um, no attention to detail, likes to muck around. I made up a I made up a rap about how to use the photocopier at one job, and I would have put a good month into that. <laughs> what jobs did you do? So I've had, I, this is my pathway. Uh, I did a, a Bachelor of Education where I taught high school for about eight months. Then I got very burnt out. It was very difficult. Yes. Um, then I was like, this isn't for me. I'm going to just go and try and work in arts admin or marketing. So I've worked at a stock feed company that sold food for cows and horses, goats, sheep. Um I didn't that was I didn't mind that job. That was that that was pretty fun actually. I was always like on a dairy farm or at a piggery. It's quite exciting. <laughs> I've worked at a all girls boarding school as a house mother. Oh wow. Um I've worked at Woolworths. I did one shift at the Gabba selling hot chips. <laughs> I didn't I didn't last um, yeah, a bit of a pattern forming here and, and, and admin, like I've worked in admin at, um, like a theater company and, you know, I've been surrounded by Gorman dresses, clipboards and dinosaur <laughs> design bracelets my entire career, basically. As a kid who went to boarding school, I have to ask, how was the house mother experience? That is the only job that I have ever been fired from, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not get on with the three older women in their 60s who ran the boarding house Um, and we had very different philosophical approaches to how young ladies should be treated. Um, And, yeah, they they suggested that it wasn't really for me and they were 100% correct, it was not for me. yeah, I did not enjoy it. And it was an unpaid job, which I don't think I understood when I took the job on. Yeah, yeah. So I just you got to live there and you got yeah. to eat food and you had to do some shifts looking after like the front desk or supervise the girls on a weekend excursion. If I was like waiting for my pay packet for like two months <laughs> because I'm not assertive, Adam, I didn't say anything. So 
Yep. That is, was that in Queensland? No, that was actually in Perth, um, right. which is where I went to get out of teaching. I thought I had to get a job far away, very different, big changes, so my parents would accept that I wasn't going to be a teacher anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I found this great job in the arts, probably not that the job that had the mem- that still has the Mel Buttle Memorial Tea Room. It was at the the arts department of the WA government. Oh, oh, primo job. There's a bit of money in arts in WA, isn't there? I th- I think I think the mining um, might be trying to you know <laughs> leave a nicer taste in the mouth of yeah. WA residents. So that was my favourite job. You know, you know what? That's not true. The Woolworths Deli was also a very good job. That was, was, (laughs) that was pretty, I would go back to that job. If they rang and said, can you come and do a Saturday afternoon, mate, I'd be in there. Because there's a bit more of a chat thing going on with the, with the deli as opposed to, you know, the checkout. So checkouts are too maths based for me. I tried many times to get into checkouts and I just, I wasn't fit for for duty on on the checkouts. Um, But deli, I love food and cooking and I would ask people what they're going to do with their Peel of chicken drumsticks, um, and it and you didn't have to do any any adding up or oh press the computer and I put that through. To, it was really easy. You just put ham in a bag, and I got really good at guessing. Yeah. And, oh, when you got it right on two fifty of shaved champagne, <laughs> like, it's a really rewarding job. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a sitcom, I reckon. Where were you born? Where you where were you raised? So I was born in Brisbane, uh, lived there almost my entire life except for a couple of short stints, a couple of years in Perth and then in Melbourne for maybe four months once to work on a TV show but it was in winter and I think my agent hoped I would fall in love with Melbourne and maybe move there permanently. Um, But it was the time of year when all my friends were at Edinburgh, the, the Fringe Festival, and there was not a comedian in town it was winter um, and it rained and, you know, tops of 11 degrees and I packed up and went straight back to Queensland as soon as I could. Um, yeah. But yeah. that's, but yeah, you can't, you can't take me out of Queensland. No. Where did you go to school? What school? I went to St. Margaret's, which is an all girls school yeah. in Brisbane that fought for high school. And I went to the local state primary school um, when I was a little kid. And I love St Margaret's. Oh my gosh, it's just that supportive environment and sport. Because obviously, as a same-sex attracted lady, sport is a huge part of my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, loved had a ball, and I don't. I know not everyone hears all girls' school and would think that's a good environment. But for me, it was. But maybe not for everyone. So I don't. You know. I don't push it on anyone, but I had a very nice time and heaps of hot chicks, mate. Yeah, yeah, mate. I, so it was the blue uniforms. Yes, yep, blue and a, a Panama hat, yes. a white collar, brown shoes, brown socks. Um, yeah, good times. I um, I was a grammar boy, but you know, I felt that the girls' grammar girls were happier than the boys' grammar boys. I do, I think from my teaching degree, unless the research has changed, it, it, controversial comment, but uh, at that age, boys do better where there are girls to impress. So boys actually thrive in a, co- a co-ed environment at, at teenage 
years, yep. whereas girls thrive where there's no distractions, no idiot boys. We can all just get on with our work and not feel embarrassed to participate in PE. Broad statements. No, but uh, I, that, that yeah. resonates with me. Yeah, my cousins went to boys' grammar and they have not mentioned it since. Uh, they didn't, It didn't seem to be a part of their identity that they, you know, enjoyed. Um, mm. But also I've got a son, so if you're listening, boys' grammar, would you know, I'm very open to negotiate. Um, <laughs> well, it's a lot better now, let's just say that, than it was in the 80s when uh, the late 80s exactly. when I went there, where, you know, it was like the height of the Fitzgerald inquiry. There was the Occupy Peterson government was being turfed out. There was just brutality everywhere. But I know it's a completely different environment now. So if any parents do want to send their kids there, I'm sure it's fine. Oh, it was a different time. <laughs> Uh, the second question is what's the most unhelpful feedback you've received oh wow um i did i had a comedian come up to me once a more experienced comedian when i was quite new and he pulled me aside to to give me some feedback and i had just done i i think i had done a pretty good job like i'd had a pretty good set and he pulled me aside and he said you know you are coming across a little bit too smart. What I think you should do is probably tone it down a lot because most people in the audience are going to be pretty stupid. So you're you're coming across a bit clever. Oh my so God. what I what I think you should do is you know try and be one of them and come down to their level. And what and I I, I just think I'd had a good set and maybe this person didn't like that I did well. Yeah. When, you know, when I was new. And I'm trying to think what jokes I was talking about back then. And it was literally, I was comparing my pubic hair to Pauline Hanson. Like it wasn't, <laughs> you know, clever stuff. Um, but it really got in my brain. You know, when you're new and yeah. someone you think is a big dog says something, I took it on board and I I went, I sort of changed what I did for a bit. And oh, oh, no. I, yeah, it took me a while to balance just to be confident in doing what I wanted to do and just doing what I thought was funny. Um, that was pretty unhelpful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was it a guy? Of course it was. Yes, it was a, it was a, a heterosexual, this male comedian. <laughs> um, yes, it was. But, you know. It's always the way. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. 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 And what a shock. That must be blowing yeah. your socks off there. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm on the floor here. Look, to, in the interest of fairness, this, um, what did someone say to me once? I was in an amateur theatre production and this, the stage manager, who was a woman, went right off at me because I drank a little bit of the props. Like <laughs> <laughs> There was a scene where we had to pretend to be at a party and I drank this um, fake white wine she'd made out of, I think, like a... <laughs> A cordial and water, and I was actually drinking it on stage, but I didn't drink much. I had like a couple of centimeters of the prop. But we had two shows that night, and she did not have any more cordial left to make more fake white wine. And so she went right off at me and she goes, If you want to do anything in the arts, in the theatre world, you need to learn to not drink the props. The props are not for drinking. And I was like, well, <laughs> How do I, how do you pretend to be at a party? Like, what do you just, I think I think the issue is you need to buy a second bottle of lemon cordial. <laughs> That's the issue. 
<laughs> oh, I fucking love that. I love that. I've been yelled at by stage managers my whole life. Um, yeah, we're sort of, a, it's sort of a weird, because they're not in it for the reasons we're no. in it. So there's a clash there's there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Mel, question three is what is the failure you most cherish? Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. So many to choose from. Um, the failure I most cherish. I, there was one day when I was a teacher when I realised that I cannot do this job for another 60, 40 years. <laughs> um, it was pretty epic. And I, because I was, I was 21 and the kids are 17 when you first start teaching. I don't think there's enough of a yeah a gap. I'd, I'd oh. come out of St. Margaret's. I went to uni. I get plonked as a first year teacher in a, in a outer suburbs, pretty rough school. And I had I had lost my way with this class and they would throw their rubbish on the floor and they wouldn't pick it up and I couldn't make them pick it up. And the floor would be covered in rubbish and the cleaner would yell at me um, and I just didn't have the skills to make them pick the rubbish up. I just couldn't work out how to do it. And then I thought I, I'd crack the code, right? So what I did was I said, okay, everyone, what we're going to do is, because Australian Idol was really big at the time, I said, everyone's going to throw all their rubbish on the floor, all this, and don't worry about it, just all of it. Don't even bother with the bin. Put everything on the floor that's rubbish. We're going to vote on who is the worst behaved person this lesson. I'm going to put them on the board. We're going to do uh, a top a top five. As a class, we'll vote on who has been the worst. You guys get to pick. Nothing to do with me. I'm not choosing. No, I'm, I'm not the boss here. Um, and then whoever wins, worst behaved, has to pick up every single scrap of rubbish. So the kids ripped out every page from every book. The floor was cut like up to my knees in paper, right? And I was like, it's so great. They were like, they were kind of getting into it. They were really in a good mood. I was like, oh God, I'm so clever. Just this is, this is something out of a <laughs> genius education textbook. So we vote on the names and this, uh, this girl won, worst behaved. Um, and I go, all right, well, the people have spoken. We've, you've had your top three and we've narrowed it down. And it's actually Maria. It's your turn to pick up every single piece of rubbish on the floor. Then the bell goes and rings and they all just walk out, including Maria. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Oh. I'm an idiot. Of course. Oh. I just, I just picked, I picked up like a wheelie bin and a half full of paper. <laughs> and I snapped in my head. I was like, you, you're you not cut out for this. This isn't, you need to go and sit in an office where, you, where you're safe because you've had a, a brain snap. Um, and, of course, Maria, <laughs> did, do you think Maria enjoyed being voted the naughtiest? No, she didn't feel good about herself. And she got a little bit upset and when she ran out when the bell went, she was like a bit teary and she didn't find it. My Australian Idol voting style, top five, top three, top one. She didn't enjoy that. And I was like, oh, my God, what a what a fool. That's when I was like, I'm just going to get any any job to get out of this. How long did um, you stay I, after that? Not long. Um, I think after that I I didn't last a year in that in that school 
Um, but what I love now is kids from that class, because they're seared into my brain, come up and like they see me and they're like, Miss Battle, Miss Battle, hi. And they're so excited to see me. But all I feel in my mind is this incredible trauma that I experienced. Um, but they're like, You're on TV. Like, yes. And they're so excited. Oh, and I'm like, awesome. Oh, I hope your little 14 year old brains have forgotten, you know, the trauma of rubbish day. Um, so I went straight from that to um, the stock feed company, I think. It's a bit blurry, but um, yeah, but, I think uh, I, I, yeah, I got out, yeah. And when did stand-up come in? Around this time. So yeah. I would have been about 22 when I started doing open mic, which is about maybe about the end of, of my first year of teaching or maybe even my second around when I was at the stock feed company. Um, yeah. So there was that other world as well that wasn't, I wasn't anywhere near ready to pull that a career or I just was kind of doing it for fun, but that was just starting to creep into my mind as um, something that was taking up a lot of my consciousness and, you know, you're at a gig till 10 o'clock at night and, this weird school, they started at 7.45 and finished at 12.45. Oh, my God. So the seniors could go to their apprenticeships or their jobs and it didn't work. The kids would be asleep till, like, lunchtime. Um, yeah, so it was a, a bad time, but um, stand-up won eventually, um, of course, as it always will over an office job. <laughs> and so how did, like, because... In those days, you had to leave Brisbane and you only went mm, to Melbourne mm. for a, a few months. So how did you actually make it work? I guess on a national level. Yeah, yeah. I what I worked out eventually is no one is ever working where they live. So yeah. there's a, there was a big push on Sydney or Melbourne, um, but all the Sydney comics I'd run into in Melbourne and all the Melbourne comics I'd see in Adelaide and then We've, everyone's got a gig in Darwin together. And I was like, why don't I just live where I want to live, where it's more affordable? Yes. Um, it's it's a bit easier. Um, and I this I think it was the introduction of Jetstar and Virgin that made yeah. it more possible <laughs> because yeah. all of a sudden you could go and do a gig and probably fly there for $200 return and you'd be getting – Oh, you know, big money, 600 bucks for a gig, yeah. you know, stay at your friend's house, you've still yeah. made a profit. Um, so I just, yeah, I just thought about it and I thought, why don't I just fly, fly where I need to go because everyone else is flying and everyone else is always at the airport. So, so yeah. I'm, stuck, I'm stuck with Brisbane. And um, I think there's an advantage as well to not having Sydney and Melbourne see all your rehearsals and your yeah. so when I come down to, to do the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I'm in top form. Yeah. So if the important people in quotes are looking, I'm on my I'm on my top my top game. Whereas in Brisbane, I can go and do open mics and be rusty and try new things and take a few more risks in my mind. Anyway, um that's so great. that's Another one of my little secret schemes, yes. And how did the Great Australian Bake Off happen for you? Were you approached or how did all that pan out? Um, so my agent knows I love food, cooking, right into that world. And 
I got called to a, a, a group audition, not for hosts for the Bake Off, and it was all women, um, all female comedians basically, um, a couple of ex- uh, non-comedians in there, like presentary type people. And I just, I in my head, because I at this point I had gone back to teaching for just a term to do a contract at a different school um, so I had to take a sick day to go down to Sydney to do this bake-off audition. Um, and in my head, I said, you know what, you're not going to get it. Look who's here. And there were some big, far bigger name than me comedians auditioning. And I, in my head, I went, why don't you just muck around? Just who, you've got a day in Sydney. Someone else has paid for you to be here. You're not at school. Who cares? Just be silly. Um, and guess what? That worked um, because I didn't have any of the tension or the stress or I wasn't counting, you know, if I do this, I could get this amount of money and maybe this opportunity. I, I was just in the moment, I guess, and they liked what they saw. Um, and then I got, yeah, I got called back for one more audition, to, I think, to sort out who got the role between myself and one other person, and it was in Manu's kitchen studio from, you know, Manu from... Yes. The kitchen, what's it called? My kitchen rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I realized I was like, oh, they are watching, they are watching the whole time. So the other girl would go and film her little bit at the kitchen bench. And then I was like, oh, you've got this one chance to get who you are across to these people because they're going to go home tonight and make a decision that could maybe change your life. So I was like, why don't you? Just be on the whole time and just make moments and just give it everything. Because just when when you're on camera, great, nail that as well. But why not don't just go and sit there quietly like I probably used to do and switch off completely and be all shy and then come alive on camera. I was like, why don't you just be you the whole time for once? It's brilliant, yeah. And um, it seemed to work. And, yeah, Claire Hooper was the other person who got the other role and we did five seasons together and... We had the best time ever on set because there's no prep. You 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 can't. There's no, no. Oh, there's a, there's a little bit of scripting. There's a bit of you know Baker's Good Morning. You have to make thirty six almond croissants. But once you've said that, you just go and talk to people all day about what they're cooking and try and be funny. It, it was one of the the best jobs. Yeah. And what did you? What's the, the takeaway that you learned cooking wise? You know, is there anything that that your home um, baker should know? I got a lot of tips. Uh, even with, okay, with cooking meat, if, if you eat meat, um, from Matt Moran, I learned don't cut, even if it looks like a big fatty piece of meat, don't cut all the fat off before it's cooked. Just cook it with all the fat on. And then if you still want to trim it, trim it once it's cooked, because that fat will be melting and keeping it moist. There's that word while it's cooking. But if you cut all the fat off, you risk it maybe drying out more than it needs to. Um, if fruit in your cake sinks down to the bottom, like if you were doing a fruit cake, like a sultana cake, sometimes it has a tendency to just drop to the bottom and not sit nicely and like through the cake evenly. Toss the sultanas or the fruit peel through a little bit of flour and then it won't fall as deeply into the cake. Brilliant. Brilliant. Lots of little tips. Lots That's of tips. That's great. You wonder when they, like, who was the first to come up with these things, you know? It's like, yeah, it's science, isn't it? I guess you need a science brain. So baking's a bit sciencey, um, but yeah, it just taught me if you've baked a cake, you don't have to wait four hours for it to cool down on the bench. Chuck it in the freezer. 
it's fine. You can do things like chuck it in the freezer, chill it down, ice it, done. Like it won't ruin it. It's just what, yeah. yeah, you can. I learned so many little tips. Um, oh, and just not, just not overworking things was a big one. Just like maybe muffins, just one or two, three stirs tops. Uh-huh. It's not perfectly mixed in. It doesn't matter because it's better to have the lightness in the air through it than just an overmixed um, rock hard muffin. Just I could uh, cut me off at any point. Uh, I, I I do overmix. So that's 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 interesting. I've looked at you and I've thought, how can I tell him he's overmixing? <laughs> I need to let him know what he's done. It's the insecurity of like you know. It's like going, I'm not worthy of this. This is going to be shit. I'm just I've got to have to, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, gonna... I know. And you see, you see a strip of like unmixed flour through it, or yeah. a ribbon of egg, and you panic. I know. We've all been there. <laughs> Question four: Which word or phrase do you most overuse? All good. Um, I say things are all good when they are in fact a, a crisis and. <laughs> Probably need medical or police intervention. Um, my phone, if I type A into it, boop, the whole the whole phrase, all good, with an exclamation mark, comes up. Um, yep, all good, yep, yep, all good, no worries. Uh, yeah. You're breaking up with me. Yeah, all good. All good. Yep, 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 yep. Um, which I think is, is just such a... Oh, I I put it as an option that I I use it in many ways. One of the ways I use it is to give people an out because I think maybe you don't want to actually catch up for brunch today and you don't know how to tell me, um, I better give you an out. So I'll say, um, are you still fine for brunch today at 10? All good if not, all, all good. Just in case they are, they have the same level of assertiveness as I have, which is zero, and they need someone to give them a little out to go, actually, no, I can't. I'm double booked. That's, yeah. So it's got many uses, many <laughs> uses. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful get out of jail. Um, and final question is, do you have a motto? Ah, uh, do I have a motto? I, got a, I do have a few little things I say to myself in my head. Um I think this comes from maybe my parents or it's just when I hear it, I hear my mum saying it and it can't hurt. It can't hurt, can it? Well, it can't hurt. So whenever I'm taking a risk or pushing something, maybe asking for something I think I may not be allowed to have in my head, I go, well, come on, it can't hurt. can't hurt. (laughs) Well, maybe it can. Um, But, yeah. Honestly, can't hurt will be on my gravestone. Um, but yeah, but yeah, can't hurt and all good are yeah fighting each other at the moment. Can yeah. I ask? Is your so do you base the the mum character on your mo- own mother? Yeah. Bit, yeah, yeah. So sort of the way she speaks is uh, is my mum's voice like turned up a little bit for yeah. characterization. Um, not the rhythm of her speech, like this is how my mum talks. Um, maybe it's a Queensland thing, or I don't know. So that <laughs> comes from my mum. But the the thing she says and how she behaves and is different to my mum, that's kind of, um, you know, when you meet everyone else's mums, like yeah. in high school and you realise, oh, it's, we've all got the same mum. 
Yeah. Like rich mum, poor mum. It's all just mum. Yeah. It's all just women panicking when you tell them you're allergic to eggs and yeah. they wonder if you can eat spaghetti bolognese. And I'm like, did you put any eggs in it, Brenda? No, I didn't, but I just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> eggs? Oh, can you have bread? Can you have chocolate? Yep. Yeah, I'll tell Yeah, I'm good. I just can't. Just no meringue or no scrambled eggs. Oh, dear. And, I, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, they all do that. I was like, I just recorded these little things in my brain yeah. <laughs> um, about cool. mums. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's 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 great. And and um and how does she feel about it? Um, I think she she'll send me a message that says, "I see I'm on the internet again." <laughs> so, I I think she kind of likes to mention what I've realised through doing stand up about my family is people seem to enjoy getting a mention, even if it's in a slightly not so positive light. Yes. If that makes sense. So mum's like, oh, I'm on the internet. I'm the star of your video. Hey. Yes, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> That's that right. That's right. Because Lawrence Mooney says some kind of horrible things about his father-in-law, but his father-in-law loves it. So. Yes. They they just want to hear themselves mentioned. Because I, I did a show years and years ago. I think I annoyed mum with a joke that I'd done and I decided, okay, she can't handle it. I won't mention her next year. Fine. Yeah. And – I didn't. I didn't write a single joke. She didn't get a single mention. And she was so annoyed. She goes, what? I don't deserve a mention. I didn't oh, do anything. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. That's All right. So interesting. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to sign up to The Kicker where you can see bonus video content on episodes as well as heaps of other journalism and opinion. That's thekicker.substack.com. See you next time.